is no bad time to start. It don't have to sound pretty. Just tell them what's on your heart. Because it's not a religion. Because it's more like a friendship. So just talk to your father like you are his kid. Just start talking to Jesus. Just start talking to Jesus. You can talk to Jesus. Oh, whenever you like. Just start talking to Jesus. Just start talking to Jesus. Just keep talking to Jesus. The rest of your Good morning, Crossroads. Thank you all for being here this morning. For those of you who are joining us online, we thank you for tuning in. If you're in the building with us this morning, would you please stand and worship?
when he returns to wipe away our tears. There will be a day when all will bow before him. There will be a day when death will be no more. Standing face to face with he who died and rose again. Holy, holy is the Lord. On that day, we join the resurrection and stand beside the heroes of the faith. Join the resurrection and stand beside the heroes of the faith. With one voice, a thousand generations sing worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Forever he shall reign. Shout the hymn of heaven We of angels and the saints We raise a mighty roar Glory to our God Who gave us life beyond the grave Holy, holy is the Lord So let it be today We shout the hymn of heaven church when we can celebrate the birth of Christ and celebrate this Christmas season looking forward to all that God is bringing in and, and this week was phenomenal like we had two days with Ernie Haas and signature sound and the signature desserts were always good man the people like when Ken brought it up they were like wow like there's desserts too like it was it was it was funny it was it was funny but it was a great time and listen we believe and just Seeing the reaction after Ernie shared the gospel and Pastor Ken shared, we believe many people open up their hearts to Christ at these concerts. So can we thank God for that? It's incredible. And I just, I just want to encourage, you know, if you are visiting for the first time today and hanging out with us, we're glad you're here. Please stop by the Welcome Center and just let them know. And they, we want to give you something by saying thanks for hanging out with us. You know, that we, we really believe that what God is doing here is powerful. 
uh, not because of anything that we've done, but because of what he is doing and what he's at work doing. So please just know that if you're visiting, please stop at the Welcome Center. We'd love to connect with you. And if you're online, let us know. Uh, drop a comment uh, in the box below and just let us know you're checking things out. We'd love to get more information about Crossroads and connect with you. But listen, God is doing a work and we're so thankful for what he's doing. And so one of the things that I want to encourage you all to do um, is, is check out. There's three different services, uh, three different uh, identical candlelight services we're having this year for Christmas Eve 2, 4, and 6. And so please uh, invite a friend to join you and be a part of our Christmas Eve gathering. We love Christmas here at Crossroads, and I know that for some of you, it's a very special time um, to just be with family and, and, and just be uh, under the, 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 the whole message, you know, which is the birth of Christ. God Emmanuel, he is God with us. And so please uh, plan to join us at 2, 4, and 6 and invite someone to, to come and, and join you and your family. And uh, also, we are looking to build that team up to serve at 2, 4, and 6, from everything from greeters to people helping others find a seat, as well as parking uh, and, and then serving in the nursery. So please, uh, if you are interested in serving uh, during Christmas Eve, and listen, I know some of you are thinking, I can only serve at one hour. That's Wonderful. Please uh, stop by the Welcome Center and give them your name, and then we will follow up with you. But parking, greeting, helping people find seats, uh, and serving in the nursery, and there's just uh, this is a great opportunity to serve the people that come into our church. So plan to serve on one hour and join the other hour and, and sit with your family. And so we're looking forward to what God is going to do on Christmas Eve. I want to highlight, so if you pull out the birthday, get the Jesus list in your um, in your uh, bulletin, you'll see on there, if you find it, uh, that our goal is $100,000. And look where we're at, $30,000. Again, guys, we need to be celebratory. Let's thank God for what has come in already. This is a wonderful. This is absolutely wonderful. The nice thing about $100,000 is you can find your percentages quickly, right? Uh, and so I know for me that was always, if it was 100, I could do my percentages quickly. Uh, but I want to highlight John and Bianca Fowler. John is our director of Word of Life in Panama. Um, and he, we, one of the missionaries that we're supporting, and uh, I want to just pull up some of these pictures that we have of John and Bianca. So they do not typically celebrate Thanksgiving in Panama, and John brought Thanksgiving to the Panamanians. And so this is really cool to see. Um, just if you know John personally, he's affected you. John and Bianca and their family are wonderful people, and they are just very faithful to the Lord's calling in their life to serve and to just to, to learn a whole new language to take the gospel to another culture and another language, which is so cool. And so just seeing John here uh, with his team and seeing him serving here with uh, um, the, the Panamanians and serving them, and, and there's his team, some people on his team, but just knowing John and knowing uh, his heart for the gospel and Bianca there are just reaching people in Panama, and, and so God is using them in incredible ways. So please, when you guys give to the birthday gift to Jesus, you give to support missionaries like John and Bianca. And so they are on our list, uh, and so please make Jesus the one you give to most to this Christmas and make him the number one priority. Um, I also want to say thank, thank you guys to your faithfulness in giving and just being a part of the mission here at Crossroads to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we give. We give to an active, alive mission because it's the mission of Christ. So thank you guys for giving. Would you pray with me as we continue on this morning? Lord, thank you for... Um, just encouraging our hearts, Lord, with the music and just, uh, God, just giving us something greater to, to be a part of, Lord, as your family. Lord, um, uh, we know that your word says that in, in all human perspectives, in all human situations, everything is impossible, but nothing is impossible with God. Lord, we were unable to save ourselves, and we are completely unable to save ourselves. Lord, thank you for sending Christ to the cross, for giving 
us a Savior. And Lord, we uh, just exalt you, we lift you up. And Lord, for all that um, is given, Lord, for the birthday gift of Jesus, we know you're using it to your uh, mission, to your work, Lord. Thank you for those who uh, are giving uh, financially, Lord, here. And Lord, those who gave this week serving, uh, Lord, at the Ernie Haas concert, we know many opened their hearts to you. Uh, Lord, we pray as they start that journey that they would find a church, whether it's here or somewhere else, uh, God, and that the message of Christ uh, would be contagious, uh, that we would take that message of hope uh, to others. Lord, we love you, and we just pray over um, just everything that's happening this morning, and we pray over our week. We ask it all in Christ's name. Amen.
for Christmas, I, that, that's really my theme for this year. I want to encourage our church at large home for Christmas. Come home. I, you know, I think after, as we look at the last two years, the pandemic and everything that we've been going through, home is such a safe place, isn't it? Come home for Christmas. And so I'm encouraging everybody home for Christmas. And as we think about home for Christmas, when you think about home, there's so many memories that come to your mind, isn't it? Like you have so many good memories. You remember the things that you did. And Christmas is that thing that triggers all of those memories. Every year you go down, you pull out that those same Christmas decorations. You go to that box that you haven't touched since January the 5th last year. Some of you actually put it away on, the, on, on, on December 26th. And that's, I'm sorry for you. Uh, don't do that, all right? Some of you put it away on January the 5th, and you put all this stuff away, and, and you've got, you got all, all those decorations that you haven't touched. You go down, and you'll pull them out here, and, uh, and you'll leave them up for six or eight weeks here, and you have your house decorated, and all these memories are triggered, and you remember things that your parents did. For you, maybe uh, you're a college student. You're coming home for Christmas. You're, it's like, man, you can't wait. When I was in college to come home for Christmas, that was the greatest thing. Uh, tests were done. Finals were done. You got through all that stress and all that pressure, and you were home for Christmas. It was just like, man, we're going to sit back. We're going to relax. We're just going to enjoy family and, and have a good time. And you put up those decorations. You remember them. Some of those things you guys argue about as you put them up because you want to throw away, you know, Dad wants to throw away the satellites and mom wants to keep them because grandma bought those lights and we can't get rid of those lights because that was grandma's. They're going to burn the tree down, but we got to keep them anyhow because they were grandma's, right? And so you have all these different, all these memories that get triggered. And uh, as you go through this time, it's, for many people, it's a lot of fun, but for others, it's not too much fun. I was reading that, uh, a current report said that 45% of all Americans uh, really have a hard time with Christmas because it's, it brings back a lot of memories. It brings back a lot of pain. There's a lot of loss. There's a lot of things. They think of uh, the absence of a loved one, maybe a lost job, a painful, painful decision, a painful divorce maybe that they went through, unrealized dreams, or just another year that's gone by and it just, it's like, all right, here's another, I can't take this anymore. And so they just, they just keep seeing and, and pain and pain and pain. And I'll tell you what, as much as I say home for Christmas has a lot of good memories, for others, home for Christmas has a lot of bad memories. I remember, you know, Christmas, I have a lot of good memories growing up at Christmas. I also have a lot of bad memories at Christmas. I mean, I told you the year that my, my parents got us the Evil Knievel bikes. Man, we loved that. That was so much fun. But I'll tell you what, I remember all the other years when I came home in college and, you know, parents went through a divorce and I had to pick which house you're going to spend Christmas Eve at, Christmas Day. Those were painful times. And, uh, and, and so uh, maybe for you, you're going through that this year. You're thinking, man, uh, you know, and I just remember mom was always here. Dad was always here. Brother or sister was always here. And now they're gone. And it's pain. And I get that. And I'll tell you what, this is the time of year the depression goes off the chart. If you watch from, uh, from Thanksgiving till New Year's, the, the depression rates are out outstanding. It's like, it's crazy what happens. Uh, this is the, one of the worst times of year for depression. Why? Because we're reminded of some of our failures, reminded of a, a lot of our loss. And so today, what I want to encourage us with is this thought of hope. You see, if, if you don't have any hope, you, 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 you know, there's, there, you know, I remember uh, we used to have Joe DeGenero would give his testimony here. Joe was a great guy and he was, uh, he was a drug addict up in New York City. And he used to, his theme for life was there was no hope without dope. And that's what he would say. There's no hope without dope. And one day he found Jesus and he found true hope and he never had dope again. 
because he kept putting the dope in place of the hope. He, he had no hope. And so when there's no hope, there's no hope. And so if you can't see to the other side, there's no hope. And so you see your pain. That's all you see is your pain. You see your loss. You see, you see your failure. You see what somebody has hurt you, what somebody, how that you've been hurt by somebody. And all, but you can't see hope. All you see is these other things. And so whenever we, we're going through this time of year, I want to encourage all of us to look for hope. Because that's why Jesus came. The whole, the whole Christmas is all about hope. Proverbs 13.12 says this, that hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a desire fulfilled is like a tree of life. You know, if you're hoping for something, you're hoping for something, you're hoping for something, and all your hope is in that something, and it never happens, man, that's what the what Proverbs says here, is that hope deferred makes you sick. Like, you're just miserable until that actually happens. You're waiting for something. I, I refer to, like, living in western Pennsylvania. It's called summer. You know, we have the hope of summer, you know. We don't think it's coming. We know it's coming. And that's how you get through January. Uh, we're we're going to be hosting a conference here. It's uh, Refuel. You'll see it. You'll hear more about that. They asked us to host it January the 25th. I'm like, why would we host anything in Pittsburgh in January? This is where you go away from in January. Why? Because we have hope. We have hope that the sun is shining somewhere else. We have hope that it's above 12 degrees somewhere else, Right. And that's what hope does. And so hope is not just a change of perspective. Hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is I know that there's something out there and I'm banking on it. And unfortunately, what we do in our life is we put our hope in things that aren't eternal. We put our hope in a circumstance. And if this circumstance changes, then I'll be then, I, then my hope is OK. And what happens is those circumstances quite often are bad and they don't change. Actually, they change. They get worse. And we put our hope into a circumstance and not into something bigger. Um, Dr. Frank, uh, Victor Frankel, he was, uh, he was in the Auschwitz prison during World War II. He was a psychiatrist, and uh, as a psychiatrist, he was interested in what enabled some people to be able to make it through the, survival, through the rigor of the survival camps and the cruelty, while many others just simply could not. He wrote, in a, he wrote his findings in a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And one of the statements that he said in there is so powerful about hope. He said that the prisoner who had lost faith in the future, his future was doomed. With his loss of belief in the future, he also lost his spiritual hold. He let himself decline and became subject to mental and physical decay. And, you know, that's what happens in our life. If we lose sight of the future with God... If we lose sight of hope, everybody who has no hope, if you look and see people that have no hope, they, 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 you can tell they, they look hopeless. Do you ever say that, that person's hopeless? Well, let me tell you, we are hopeless. We are helpless without God. God is the only one who gives us help to get through this. And so our hope can't be in something that is temporary. Our hope has got to be in something that's eternal. Christmas was all about hope. As you look at the, as you look at the, uh, look, look at, what Christmas was all about. You see, it's about the promise of the Messiah that would come. And the promise of the Messiah, King Jesus, would come, but He was promised for 4,000 years that He would come. Adam and Eve are placed in the garden, and right from Genesis chapter 3, we see that God says, I am going to give you this, this, the, 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 the Savior. And He promises that it's right there. He says that the, that, the, that the, uh, the, the offspring of, of Adam, uh, of Mary, I'm sorry, of Eve, would crush the head of Satan. And it's a reference to Jesus Christ right from there. And you just keep seeing promise after promise after promise after promise. 
If you go over into Isaiah, you read so much Isaiah. Isaiah gives so many prophecies, but he's 700 years before Jesus. And one of the most well-known prophecies is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. You, we, this is the Christmas verse that you, that you would probably put on your Christmas card. It's a Christmas verse. You'll see it in department stores. People put it up because it, it just reminds you of everything Christmas. But this is the prophecy of who this little baby would be, who this Messiah would be. And it was all wrapped up into this child. Read it with me. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You know, these four qualities describe who this person was that was coming. And this morning, I want to look at these, these four. There's four qualities from this verse that show us hope. And as you're looking at hope, man, I'll tell you what. Remember, home... It's a safe place. And as we think of home being a safe place this morning, I'm inviting you to come home for Christmas. But with that home is hope. The hope of Jesus Christ. And when you understand, like, like these are incredible titles that he has given, but they are also incredible application to your life, incredible meaning of who this Jesus is in your life. The very first quality that, that he says there is the wonderful counselor. And so I want you to write this down. Jesus as my counselor reveals God's love for me. Read that with me. Jesus as my counselor reveals God's love for me. Uh, he reveals God's love for me and for you. That's what Jesus was all about when he came to the cross. When this, when this baby was born, he left heaven, passed all the galaxies and came down to earth to pay for your sin. Jesus has no need for counselors. He is the counselor. He is the advisor. Jesus is the one who will be your mighty counselor. He's the one who comes. He's your wonderful counselor. He doesn't need, he doesn't have an advisory board. Jesus doesn't sit down and say, okay, angels, tell me what you think I ought to do today. He doesn't say, okay, I need a cabinet. Will my cabinet tell me what we ought to do? Should, should we take this country or whatever? No, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he has it all at his command. Jesus as my counselor. He's my counselor. And so with that, I want you to know that two things about a counselor. When you go to counseling, and I think counseling is helpful for in many situations. When you go to a counselor, what does a counselor do? What's the number one thing a counselor does? They listen to you. And then what do they do? They give you good advice. And, you know, sometimes that's really a lot of healing, isn't it? When somebody can listen to you and then give you truth. You see, that's what Jesus did. Jesus came to this earth and he listens to you. And his advice is always good. And it's not advice. It's you better do this. You know, if you're sitting down with the doctor and the doctor says, you know, I think you ought to start walking a mile a day. And my doctor has told me that. And I go out and I say, well, you know, he just doesn't understand. Well, that's not good advice, is it? He's telling me I ought to start walking a mile a day if I don't want to see him again. <laughs> you know, that's what you want to do. God and his word, everything he said is true. You don't have to question what he says. And when he says it, it's not like I think you ought to try this. 
It's the, it is the truth that will solve your life. It is the truth. And He has revealed all His love to you. Now check this out here. Colossians 2, verses 2 and 3. It says that their hearts may be encouraged, knit together in love, attaining to all the riches, the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge and the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of of wisdom and knowledge. He says that in Jesus Christ, all wisdom and knowledge is in Him. All the wisdom of God is in Jesus. All the knowledge. So this little baby that came and was born on Christmas Day that we celebrate, and it just looks so wonderful, and the warm fuzzies that you feel, let me tell you, it's a whole lot more than the warm fuzzies that you feel, isn't it? Ah, man, listen, home for Christmas. There's a lot of warm fuzzy there. I love it. Man, I love that truck in the foyer. I saw these people coming in with their babies this morning. They got here earlier. They're taking pictures of that thing. It makes you feel so good. I love Christmas. Thank God for how this place looks. huh? Let's thank God. We appreciate all that. But, but let me tell you, let me tell you, God is not about a warm fuzzy. And it's okay. He tells us to have fun. But he's much deeper than that. He came to the cross. He sacrificed. He, this was not a little baby so that we could feel good and have a holiday. This was a little baby that came to save the world. And in him, he knew everything. Now, I want you to catch this, how big this is. Because I think sometimes we, we kind of make him a Christmas card. Sometimes we, 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 we forget that this little baby had the whole universe at his hand. Um, he is the wonderful counselor. The word wonderful there is the sense of awe because something supernatural has happened. God does supernatural things in every one of our lives. And there's a sense of awe, a sense of wonder whenever we see him at work. In whom are hidden in, in this wonderful counselor all the wisdom, all the knowledge. He has the answer that you're looking for. There's nothing more greater, nothing more that causes me wonder than Romans 5.8. Check this out. But God demonstrated his love for us that while we were still sinners, while your back was turned on God, God came and died for me. He died for you. While we were still opposite of God. And you want to talk about wonder right there. The wonderful counselor. Man, let's stop for a moment and just sense the wonder of Christmas right there. That is the wonder of Christmas. That this little baby who came and he's born and he's down in this manger. He has passed all the galaxies and he came and he's demonstrating. He's proving his own love for you. John 3.16. Read it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Listen, this is the whole gospel in one verse right there. God did it. He came down and He loved you so much. He paid the price. And if you will trust Him, if you will believe, He says that you will have eternal life. From the Amplified Bible, I'd like to read to you this morning. The Amplified is a study Bible and just kind of develops some of the words and really helps you to think about it. I'm just going to read John 3:16 and 17, the following verse for you from the Amplified. Just sit back and listen to it because I want you to catch the love that God has for you this morning. 
For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only begotten, his one and only, his unique son. So that whoever believes in, whoever trusts in, clings to, whoever relies on him shall not perish. They shall not come to destruction. They shall not be lost, but they will have everlasting, eternal life that will never end. For God did not send the Son. He did not send Jesus into the world in order to judge, to reject, to condemn, to pass sentence on the world. But he did this that the world might find salvation and be made safe and sound through him. Come home for Christmas, the place for safety. Jesus came to make you safe and sound in him. Many people say, oh, churches are so condemning. God's condemning right there. The scripture says in verse 17, he did not come to condemn. He came to sacrifice. The condemnation went on Jesus. He didn't come to condemn you. He came so that you wouldn't be condemned, so that you might have eternal life. This is the wonderful counselor. Now, I want you to catch the bigness of this. Did, did you ever hear whenever somebody says, I love you to the moon and back? Did you ever hear somebody say that? I love you to the moon and back. I guess that's a lot of love. Right? I love you to the moon and back. Let me show you something about our solar system here. This is our planets in our solar system, right? Look how small Mercury is. Then you have Venus, and there's Earth, number three. Put your glasses on. There's Mars. There's Jupiter. Look how big Jupiter is. And then you have Saturn and a few others. That's just in our, in our solar system. You have the sun. And, and, and so from where you're sitting, you can barely see planet Earth. God, the, the, this baby that came to this earth, the, this, this, this wonderful counselor, he owns all of that. And, and scriptures tell us that he was there, he was present at creation. It's his. Could you imagine that? God the Father says, I think I'll make my son, you know, you, you make your kid a basketball court. I think I'll make my son a few galaxies today. Wow. Now look at the next picture. This is the sun compared to Jupiter and compared to Earth. You can barely see planet Earth from your seat, but you can see the word. And this is just kind of showing us this, how big our sun is. And I know you don't think it's very big right now because it's December and you're not feeling much of it lately. But listen, it is magnanimous. The, the, the sun is so big. How big is it? Let me tell you how big it is. If you were to take planet Earth and fill, try to fill uh, planet Earth, fill the sun with planet Earth, it would take 965,000 planet Earth. Take your whole world. You know, I've flown to Ecuador six hours on an airfare, an airplane. Wow. Uh, Josh was telling me about his trip to Turkey, right? And I, you know, was it 18 hours he's in a plane? I'm like, oh my goodness. Put 965 thousands of our globes. 965 thousands. Basically about a million of our whole earth 
and you'll fill up the sun. And that's just one galaxy. Like, that's one galaxy. And we're all happy because we put a man on the moon. Twice. You know what I mean? We're all happy. You see, what is it? Elon Musk, he went up. He went into space for like a minute and a half. I thought they were going to leave him up there. I'm all watching this thing, and they're like, okay, he made it up. Now he's coming down. I was like, what a waste of money. $3 million or something to do that? And I'm like, ah, dude, I'll help you spend that if you need a way to spend that. But listen, we're fascinated if we can get to the moon. What? God's like, I've got so much. Now, I want you to catch this because this is how big your God is. That's just our galaxy. And I read that there are other stars in, in, in the universe that are bigger than ours, bigger than our sun. They can hold one and a half of our suns. And I've read multiple things. So I don't, you know, it's like unbelievable the bigness of how God is. And so this is the God who comes and he says, I love you to the moon and back. He says, I love you to the universe and back. And I, that's him. He's the wonderful, the wonderful counselor. The second quality that Isaiah gives us here this morning that shows us hope is this. He says that Jesus is the mighty God that shows that he is in control of all things in your life. Jesus, as the mighty God, is in control of all things in my life. Write that down. That is hope. Listen, you're looking at things in your world right now. Things are not happy. You are experiencing pain. There's, there's, there's a lot. Jesus is the mighty God. He is in control of everything. The sovereignty of God is so comforting. And when you start to understand that God is in complete tr- control, it doesn't negate pain, but it gives you comfort and it gives you hope because God is in complete control. And if he has everything at his command, God does not put bad things in your life. God does not cause bad things to happen. His nature does not allow him to cause bad. But may I share you this today, that God, many of us ask, why didn't God remove it? Why, 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 why? And you know what? It's okay. We want to know why. We don't know why. But I'll tell you, I can tell you who. And I can tell you that he is in charge and he has every day and he knows and he is shaping you. Just like in the Old Testament, we see this picture of a potter with clay and God is the hands of the potter and we're the clay. And imagine him spinning it and spinning it and spinning it. And man, there's times that the, you know, I feel like sometimes the potter's working on me and I'm almost there and he's like, ah, start over. <laughs> and he has to just, when the clay gets all reformed. And that's a painful when it happens, isn't it? Because we're just starting to get in shape. You're saying, man, look, I'm going to be this awesome. And God says, yeah, I think I'm going to do something a little bit better. And he just keeps working. He keeps working. I want you to remember that there can be no transformation without tribulation. There will be no transformation without tribulation in your life. You cannot be transformed without pain. There are many areas in my life that I would like to see changed. And when I apply that statement, I say, you know what? I found that many areas that I want change, I want comfort more than I want change. And therefore... We resist the change because I want the comfort. But I really want what's on the other side of that pain. But I don't want to go through the pain to get to the other side of it. And so somehow I think I'm happier just by making myself happy. And God says, no, 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 no. I want you to experience the pain. If you do not experience pain, you will not grow. You will not be transformed. That's why in the book of James, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, 
James says this, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Let me read it to you from a a paraphrase here. This is the, the message paraphrase. I love it. He says it like this. He says, consider it a sheer gift. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when test and challenge come at you from all sides. And you're like, okay, let's turn the page. Consider, consider it a sheer gift. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced to open, forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you can become mature and well-developed, not, de- not deficient in any way. Man, you are in a pressure cooker and God is the chef. God knows what he's making. And you're like, take the pressure off. God's like, no, you got about five more minutes till you're done. And I don't even know how to use a pressure cooker. (laughs) But all I know is this. Pressure. And you're upset. And you're going through the trials. And listen, I'm, I'm right there with you folks. When I go through a trial, I cry. I suffer, I feel the pain, but I'm not without hope. And when you have that hope, you can get through the pain to the hope. And you see, this is the world that we're living in today. The world we're living in says there is no hope. There is no hope. There is no hope. But we have the blessed hope. And that hope is not, hey, we think something. We know something's coming. I love it, man. First Peter 1, verse 6 and 7 says, So be truly glad. Peter was talking here to a group of Christians. He's sending this letter to a group of Christians that were under the worst of persecution. Nero. Go read about Nero, how Nero persecuted Christians. These people are under the, the, uh, the rule of Nero. And you think that we got it bad today? Listen, these people are under some crazy things out there. And he says, So be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials. Notice that he doesn't say, even though you endure a trial. He says, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Think about that, a little while. I thought about that. If I endure a trial for the rest of my life, let's say I go another 50. You take that God who came through all those galaxies and he built the sun that takes 965,000 of our earths to fill. He's got it in control. And my little time that I have here is so little compared to all the billions of years I'm going to spend with God. I'm going to be, I have eternity. And so we have to live this life with eternity in mind because you will endure these trials for a little while. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. That it is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is more precious than mere gold. Listen, fire comes and it it pulls the dross out of the gold. And when the fire comes in your life, it pulls the dross out of our faith and makes us stronger. Makes your faith fire hot. It makes gold faith. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, many trials, 
it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on that day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Now check this out. This is what is so cool. Isaiah 9, 6, if you continue to read, it says that and the government will be upon his shoulders. And of his kingdom and of his reign, there will be no end. Man, there's some more of that that's going to be fulfilled down the road. But I'll tell you, A, number one, you're already part of his kingdom. He's already ruling in your life. There will be no end to his kingdom. But one day the scripture says that he is coming back. And after the seven-year tribulation, we're going to get into some end times talk here in a few, well, I always say a few weeks, but next year, 2022 here, we have to get through Christmas. I have four weeks left, right? We're going to talk about some end times things, but check this out. After, after that period of tribulation, the, the scriptures teach here about a thousand year reign where Jesus will come back to earth and he will set up his kingdom and there will be no end to his kingdom and we will get to be his servants and his helpers. And who knows, maybe I'll get to be the mayor of Finleyville and his help, right? <laughs> you know, maybe I'll get to be the mayor of Pittsburgh. Um, uh, listen, you'll get, you are going to get to serve in that kingdom. This is going to be so wild. You will have a glorified body. That's why I'll be able to help and serve a lot better than I can right now. You will have a glorified body. You will be eternal and we will, we will be serving with Him. Your loved ones who have gone on before, who have trusted Christ as their Savior, and they come back with the Lord, they're going to be serving with you. We're going to serve the King of Kings forever. And Jesus, uh, the, the Apostle Peter here says to us, he tells us, look, on that day when Jesus is revealed to the whole world is when you will be, when you will see the joy, it will become complete then. You will see the honor. Live for that day. You know what I confess that I do? I live for today. I think many of us do. Because I want this to end. I want my pain to cease. I don't want to be upset. I don't like the suffering. I don't like the grief. But man, Jesus said when we get to heaven, he will wipe away our tears. Man, that is going to be awesome. He's going to wipe away the tears and there will be no more grief. I cannot imagine living life without grief. Man, I live with so much grief. And I have a good life. Man, but it's life. We're broken. There's grief. We have pain. We have suffering. We have memories that come back every year this time of year. And I've got to take my heart off of the things that are under the tree, the things that are all over this world. I've got to put my things on, the, on what was on the tree, the cross that was paid for me. And so your suffering is a lot. But I want you to be confident that Jesus is the mighty God. He's in complete control. And everything that's happened in your life, all the events, God is still in control. And how? let me explain to you like this. If this little baby that was born at Christmas time is the mighty God, and he made all those solar systems, and he was hanging on a tree, and he didn't call the angels, and he could have, Why didn't he call the angels? Because the Father had another plan. And he went through the suffering. And it changed the world. Because he was obedient to the cross. 
And for you, I want you to know that, yeah, God can take away everything, all of your pain. But let me tell you, there's something that God is making in your life you have no clue. There's a pressure cooker. You are at the end, man. You are, you're saying, I can't take this anymore. I want you to know, yeah, you can. There's hope. There's pain. There's memories. There's this. There's that. There's all kind of things. And listen, we're going to have that all till we die. But man, the long, you, you sang that hymn of heaven today. Man, one day we will see him face to face. And all the pain that you've experienced this side of heaven won't even be a matter. You'll be like, did that happen? It'll be like, wow. And you're going to be so healed and so, like, it's just going to be a whole new life. And there will be no more pain. And so live with eternity in mind. You know, I was reading about the, about the atom. A-T-O-M, right? The atom. And, uh, and I read that there's some scientists that, that uh, really struggle with how does it even truly work. Like, there's things about it that they don't understand. There's a, there's a positive, there's a neutral, and there's a negative. And the positive and the neutral cling together, and they don't under, totally understand this. And so I'm not a scientist. I don't totally understand it. If you're an engineer here today, please forgive me. I apologize. But I just read an article about this. But let me explain this to you. While scientists can't understand it, let me tell you what they don't totally understand. Here it is. Colossians 1.17. He is before all things. He always existed. And he holds all creation together. I read all these articles that they don't understand how the atom holds together. It should, should have been a big radioactive mess. But what hasn't been revealed yet that the scientist doesn't know is that Jesus holds it all together. Jesus holds it all together. Now, listen, when we get to heaven, God's going to reveal how he did it. But here's how he did it. It's Jesus. And so the scientists are under a microscope. God says, I didn't reveal everything to you yet. I made the microscope. I let you be able to see those things. I want you to see who I am. I want you to see this here. Check out this picture. Just talking about who, who God is and His bigness and His power. Look at this. Man, I went down, I went to a conference here just a few weeks ago down in Florida. My good friend Mark says, you gotta take your wife and go watch a sunset. I'm like, what are you talking about? We see the sun every day. It goes down every day. It sets every day in Pennsylvania. What do I need to sunset? Mark's like, just do it. She'll love you. I was like, well, I need all I can get in that area, so I might as well go ahead. So he took my wife, and we went over. It was Captiva, a little beach over there. And uh, we, we drove over, you know, got my rental car. And we're going over, and I'm like, yeah, it's just a sunset. You know, Mark's like, hey, you got to get there early. I'm like, I Googled it. Yeah, I know what time the sun goes down. It's Google's right about everything. It's on Google, right? I go over there in the parking lot where you're supposed to park is, is, uh, is, is closed. They're dredging it right now. Parking lot's closed, so I go, I find a space, and it says, no parking. You will be towed away. And I was like, honey, she's, you know, she's my wife, you've got to understand. I don't know if this happens in your car, but we have these discussions. I'm like, honey, just trust me. She's like, no. The sign says you will be towed. I'm like, I'm like it's a rental. What are they going to do? They're going to tow it? She goes, yeah. I said, get out of the car. We're going to go watch the sunset. So I left the car where it says, do not, do not park here. 
I'm like, I'm a pastor. I'll get out of it. No, I'm just kidding. I, so I left my car where it says, do not park here. And we go down. We watch the sunset. And I'm blown away because the sun don't look like that here. <laughs> and Mark was right. He's like, she, she really loves me now. Like, I don't know what that did, but we're on fire. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but right, let me tell you, we're, we're, we're out there. We're looking at the sunset. And all these people were coming to see the sunset. And everybody's got their camera. And, and this is me just off my cell phone. I'm like, you know, I've got about 145 other pictures. I'm just showing you one, right? And, and, and I was like, it's so cool. It just like we watched it. It just went right before your eyes. It went boop, 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 boop. And about four more minutes after that, it was so dark on the beach. And I looked at my wife. She goes, we're coming back tomorrow. It's like, honey, how much love can you handle? So we came back the next day, and there was clouds. But you could still see through the peaks the sun coming. And it went down just like it did the day before, but a minute earlier. And God did this, and he says, I'm showing you I'm in control. And let me tell you what happens. Every day that sun comes up, and it goes down right on time. And tomorrow morning it comes up and it goes down right on time. Except those crazy people who make us change of clocks. Mess up my sunset view. I have to look out my office window to see the sun go down. But I want you to catch this. If God can keep that in control, you think he's not in control in your life? He's the everlasting father. Because he's the everlasting father, he keeps his promises. And if God says it, you can bank on it. If God said it, listen, God said, sun, come up, sun, go down. He said, sun, you're here, earth, you spin like this, and you go around like this. And, and, our, and, 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 and it goes the same pattern. And somehow we think we're pretty cool because we can put satellites up to go around our little, our little globe. And we're like, wow, we're so mesmerized by this. But God says, let me tell you, I've got all this at my command. And when God has all that at his command, look what he's doing. And he says, I've got everything. And I want you to realize I keep my promise. So whenever you come up to a number of scriptures here, I want you to catch this. In, um, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says that he is the very image of God. And he upholds all things. He sustains all things by his powerful word. By the very word of Jesus, everything holds together. And when God makes a promise, you can bank on it. He is going to keep his promise. So whenever you hear the scriptures in Psalm 46, verse 1, say that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in a time of trouble. What can you do, though that the earth, and he continues on, therefore we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the seas, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake and it's swelling. You know what you do? You believe it. You can bank on it. You don't have to fear. How about Psalm 84:11 when it says that the Lord God is a sun and shield the Lord gives grace to, and, and glory no good thing does he withhold from his children what do you do what do you do with that you can believe it you can build your life on it no matter what trial you're going through cuz you have the everlasting father who keeps his promise what do you do with Psalm 92:12 it says that the righteous man will flourish like a palm tree i love that 
Man, when we were in Florida, me and my wife were looking at them palm trees. We're like, man, is that beautiful. And you see the wind. And I was like, hey, honey, you know what's cool? That palm tree survived a couple hurricanes. And the severe storms. And, man, them palm trees, they're like, And when a storm's done, it comes, boom. And that's what God does for you. And right now you're thinking, I'm about to snap. And all of a sudden God's going to say, boom. You can thank me for the sound effects later. Not every pastor is well equipped like I am. Quality number four, he's the prince of peace. He's made peace between you and God. Oh, man, I just gave you a whole series in one day, but I'll tell you what. There's nothing, no other place I'd rather be for the next four hours, so let's keep going. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He made peace between you and God. He died on the cross. He paid for your sin. And this little baby wasn't destined for a manger. He was destined for the cross. The good news is that he took the punishment, my punishment on the cross. Uh, Colossians 1.19 says, For God was pleased to have all the fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things. Whether things are on the earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus came to make peace. And as we close this morning, I want to share this story that I read. This is so cool. There was a missionary by the name of Don Richardson. Don Richardson was from Canada, and he went out to, to Indonesia. He was working with the tribal people. I think it was the Swahi tribe. As he went out into the Swahili tribe, he, was, uh, he found out that they were cannibalistic peoples. And he knew that going into this. So he went out there and he's trying to reach them for Christ. How am I going to explain Jesus? And, you know, these people don't even read, right? He's got to figure this thing out. This is, uh, this is probably in the 60s, I'm wanting to say. He goes out and he's working with these people. And as he's working, he finds out that how do they deal with each other whenever, when one tribe has a problem with another tribe? Well, you know, they're going to kill each other. That's what they do. So they would come, and, and this, is, this is so crazy, all right? Remember, they're cannibalistic tribes. So what they would do is they're coming, and they're, you know, they're going to take you down. So they would come, and they would, they would start to leave food for you. They would start to sweeten you up. They would start to fatten you up, <laughs> literally. So that whenever they came to get you in the cannibalistic society, they would reap the reward. But whenever they wanted to make peace, this was so wild. Whenever they wanted to make peace, it was so different. They wanted to make peace. They would come and they would take the newest born baby from the tribe and they would give it to the other tribe. And they said, we're going to make peace. And it was known as the peace child. And you can go get his book and read about it. It's so fascinating. I, I, everything's on Kindle. They, they converted everything on Kindle, so I'm reading it. I'm mesmerized by this. The peace child. So you take the peace child, and they would give it to the other tribe, and that was the symbol of peace. And they knew that if we give you this child, there is now peace. And I want you to catch this, because Christmas is about the peace child. He went into them, and he went into the Don Richardson went back in, and he said, "Let me explain to you people that don't understand this. Just like you're were mad at this tribe, and you gave this child over to this tribe, that's what God did. But he only had one son, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, his one and only unique son, and he gave the peace child, and God made peace, and there's no more war. 
There's no more coming, fattening you up so that we can get you. And listen, God's not doing that. God's not buttering you up so he can get you. God has given you the peace child. And all the wrath went on his child. And that child rose again from the dead. And he conquered death. And we have hope. And that's why we gather every weekend. That's why we are calling up. We're inviting people for Christmas Eve. We're inviting friends to come for continuing our, ser- our, our series next week. That's why we're doing all this. Why? Because the answer isn't the peace child. The little baby that came lived a sinless life and paid so that you can have peace. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, I want to invite you to Jesus. I want to invite you to the cross and and just trust him. He died so that you might have eternal life. He did it all for you. He He passed the sun on his way. And imagine that Jesus on his way down to earth, passed the sun, passed all that. He made all this. He says, okay, I'm going to become one of my created ones. And that's the hope of Christmas. So today, it's not changing your thinking. It is placing your hope in the reality of God. Today, I want, I want to ask you to leave your, your pain at the cross. To, to put that suffering there. And even though you will endure and have much more grief, I, I want to ask you today to not look for your circumstances to be different, but to look for the hope that we have in Christ. Father, I pray you'll be with each person as we respond to you. Lord, many in this room today are responding to your love. Oh, God, you spoke to somebody about the love of God today. They are seeing how much you love them, the the mightiness of who you are, Lord. They're seeing it. They can't believe it, that you love them to the universe and back. Lord, others in here, they're responding to to the mighty God. You are in complete charge. You're in complete control, even though we are suffering. Lord, you are the, the everlasting Father. You keep your promises. Everything you said comes true. We can trust everything you said and you follow through. God, others are responding to you because they know that you, they need peace in their life. They need to surrender their heart today and let you give them that peace. Father God, I ask that you'll transform each one of us as we walk this journey this Christmas. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand as we respond?
Crossroads Ministries this morning for joining us. Please come every single weekend as we continue our journey to the manger. Please go in peace. You are dismissed.
No words come to fill the space. Cause words, they don't do your power much justice. It's too great. Too great to be bound by little letters we make up. And it's funny that we sometimes think we understand the fullness of your glory by calling you this and 